I have in my hand powerful word of God can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Won't you give a hug to those around you? You need to hug them, don't you? I don't think we've had a hug and howdy yet, have we? Well, stand up then. All right, here we go. John, play me a song back there. Let's do a little hug and howdy. Here we go. All right. Very good. We are continuing in our series, Life Questions. Today I want to address the question, what happens when I die? I have great news for you, by the way, and we'll be in 1 Corinthians 15, so if you have those Bibles you held up earlier, you might want to turn over there. We're going to look at some key passages in this chapter. But I've got some great news for you. If you can hold on for another 20 years, you might be able to live forever. According to Ray Kurweil, he's a nanotechnologist, and he says that nanotechnology may change the life expectancy of everyone by extending life indefinitely. I quote, I and many other scientists now believe that in around 20 years we will have the means to reprogram our body's Stone Age software so we can halt, then reverse aging, and the nanotechnology will let us live forever. Ultimately, nanobots will replace blood cells and do their work thousands of times more effectively. We will be able to do an Olympic sprint for 15 minutes without taking a breath, go scuba diving for four hours without oxygen, heart attack victims will calmly drive to the doctors for a minor operation as their blood bots keep them alive. Our mental capacities, will be, we will be able to write books within minutes. Aren't you excited? Sounds great to me. But I'm a bit skeptical. And please forgive me for being skeptical. But those words deny the most documented reality of human history. And that is, everybody dies. Everybody dies. Amen? All right. And so today I want to talk about that. While some say that we should just avoid this depressing and morbid topic. Few topics teach us as much really about how to live as the topic today. We're confronted with the reality every day. If you listen to the news, you hear of more murder, war, auto accidents, health crisis, diseases, suicides. Maybe you had a close call on a highway or a disturbing incident on an airplane. You know, this little college-age girl, uh, Calvin, mentioned to me a minute ago. He said, Brother Harold, we just need to keep all of our kids in prayer that are going off to school, they're in school. And we do, folks, because it's a, such a shock for 18 to 22s 
to be away from mom and dad. Especially when you're 18 and you want that freshman year. It's a tough time. So pray for these kids. And pray. Mark's a seasoned veteran now down at, at Dallas. He's the, I think he told me he's the only senior male student on campus. The rest of them are living in apartments off campus. So he's the wise old sage that they all come looking for and basically looking for class notes. I'm sure that's what they're after. But we'll just let him think that he's the sage. Amen. So what happens when we do die, though? What does happen to us? A study of every major religion gives you seven options, only seven options. Number one, nothing happens. <laughs> That's the atheist, the agnostic. They tell us that when we die, we stay right here. You just go to dirt, and that's all you do. It's the most hopeless option of all. Number two, you return. The Hindus, New Age, Agers, the Scientologists, uh, other Eastern mystic religions believe that a person will return to earth in a different form called reincarnation. Depending on the way they lived in the previous life, which is your karma, if you are a bad butterfly in this life, then you may come back as a roach in the next one. <laughs> Number three, discover nothingness. Those that embrace reincarnation usually also believe that after countless returns, one might discover the state of nirvana. The absence of self, the absence of pain. It's not like a place that you would call nirvanaville, but it's a state of nothingness. And I really wonder, why would anybody want to go there? Number four, there's the return to space. Our Scientology friends believe that you are a reincarnation of aliens that come to Earth millions of that came to Earth millions of years ago, and at the end of the process, the Thetan, which is the code name and code word for space alien, will be released back into space. So we're all Thetans waiting to be released. Scientology. Number five, you're going to enter limbo. Our Catholic friends believe that at death we go to an intermediate state called purgatory. Although this doctrine has little, has little uh, to no biblical support, even the Pope himself believes he must make a stopover in purgatory for cleansing. Pope John Paul II was asked if he too would go to purgatory upon his death, and he said this, Yes, but millions of Catholics will pray me right on through. <laughs> Others believe in a type of soul slumber till the resurrection. And these hope uh, that upon a Christian's death, the soul sleeps with the body until both are raised at the coming of the Lord. And we want to really look at that one this morning. Number six, you're going to arrive in hell. With not all religions, but, but they don't all believe in hell. Three of the top five religions do teach the reality of hell. And those three top three religions are Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. How about that? Number seven, you get to arrive in heaven. <laughs> Most religions embrace some form of a heavenly afterlife. If you're a Muslim, you have 70. If you're martyred, if you, if you blow yourself up and martyred for Islam, then you have 70 virgins waiting for you. My favorite, uh, my favorite cartoon about that was Muhammad standing it says the pearly gates he's standing there and there's these smoke 
guys coming off of their head and they're in a long line. He goes, whoa, 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 slow down. He said, we're out of virgins. <laughs> so there's a lot. Of, if you didn't get that one, we'll try to catch you up later. There's a lot of confusion, isn't there, about what happens when we die. But what I wanted to do is to take a look at Scripture. In our, in our text in 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible presents in, these, in this chapter five fundamental facts about death that will help us to live better. Let's dig right in. The first fact is that our, we have an appointment with death. Let's pick it up at verse 21. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. 22, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam... Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Billy Graham said this, The way we view death determines to a great degree the way we live our lives. Would you say amen to that? It is true. Given the truth that all men uh, will die, we would be wise to understand death better. Let me give you three simple biblical truths that help us with that. Number one, sin produced death. And in this chapter, look at verse 56. For sin is the sting that results in what? Death. And the law gives sin what? It's power. <coughs> Satan's only tool that works to bring fear to man is death. You know that? All of us fear death, don't we? In some form or fashion. True? Yeah, we do. The good news is you don't have to fear death. In your depth of relationship with Christ, Paul said it this way, for me to live is Christ to what? Die is gain. You got it. Now, like the one guy told me, he said, well, preacher, if you're punching tickets, I'll wait for the second load. I understand you're not ready to go right now. I got you. But we need to be ready to go, don't we? We need to live as though we're leaving here today. And have that relationship with God that if our heart stopped and we killed over, hallelujah, we're with Jesus. No doubt. That's the way we got to live. But sin produced death. Secondly, sin and death passed from Adam and Eve to all humanity. Paul said in Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, death through sin, in this way death spread to all men because all sinned. The third simple Bible truth is that everyone has... An appointment with death. Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. There are four things that we cannot do about that day or appointment. We cannot change it, delay it, hasten it, or escape it. We can't. It's going to come whether you want it or not. I love watching our little babies start to grow up here. Isn't it fun? I love to watch them mature and get bigger, and they get bigger all the time. I stopped and uh, visited with Addison uh, Garrison as she came in. And I was just talking to her, trying to get her to give me a high five. And uh, finally, when she got focused on who I was, this huge grin came on her face. Now, it could have been she was passing gas. I'm not sure. But I'm going to take that as she said, that's my preacher. So we'll just go from there. <coughs> but as, as beautiful and as cute as all of our kids are, once they were born... They started the dying process. As sad as that is, they started that dying process. But you see what I love about it is the fact that 
We have hope beyond here. We have a hope that can't be taken away from us. It's not that God predetermines the time of our death, but He foresees the time of our death. The appointment is based on two factors. The sovereignty of God and the choices or decisions that we make for good or for bad as we live. Tragedies like suicide shock us, surprise us. But God even knows and foresees those events coming. Our job is to love people enough to show them Jesus enough to where they find hope in Him. Because when one person takes their life, it has, they have to be at such a hopeless position that they see nothing good. And we've got to help them through our words, through our lives. Because words hurt people. Words affect people. Can you say amen to that? That guy that said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. He's a liar. He is a, a liar. Because words can just penetrate and leave devastation. And we need to remember that. We might be wise to remember the words of a, a, a wise funeral home director in California. He signed all of his correspondence, eventually yours. <laughs> so, we all have an appointment with death. Secondly... The second fundamental fact is that we all will have a transition through death. Let's pick it up at verse 51 in chapter 15. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be changed. Death is a transition to the afterlife. The transition occurs simultaneously with death. We don't lay in the grave or any other place. While our body will stay in the ground, our spirit goes to the Lord immediately. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. It clearly refutes that notion of soul slumber. We don't hang around here. Once we're gone, we're out of here. That soul is gone. And with the Lord or, as we will discover shortly, somewhere else. David shared some beautiful and reassuring truths about death in Psalm 23. One of my favorites. Surely one of yours. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Notice he says walk. So there's a journey going on. There's a transition from one place to the other. The word shadow shows that death does not control us. It can touch us like a shadow, but it can't hold us. We simply pass through the shadow, the valley of death. Amen? <laughs> We're going to pass through it, but just gone. Hallelujah. But there is still nothing that hurts like a loved one dying. When you lose them, it devastates you at times. Hurts deeply. I remember uh, Mother's Day this year. My boys always do a good job of remembering their mother, and I try to get her stuff all the time, but 
This year especially, it was a little sadder for me because I couldn't call my mom. I couldn't send flowers or a card to my mom because she was with the Lord. And, you, you know, it still sticks with you, doesn't it? It does. It's kind of like what Kent Crockett described happens in airports every day. Kent Crockett said, Travelers from all types of backgrounds crowd into jets, taxi out of the runway, and frequently you can see family members standing at the windows at the glass looking out, and they'll watch that plane until it's completely gone out of sight, and they'll turn and say simply, Well, he's gone. Well, he's not really gone. He's just out of sight. Because on the other end of the trip, when that plane lands, there's normally somebody standing there waiting, and they'll say, Well, they've arrived. There you go. And that's the way heaven is. Because when we die, guess who? You know, Peter, John, Jesus, Abraham, Moses. Don't you want to have a word with Moses? Isaiah? Ooh. Name your, name your person. I'd like to see my grandmother again. I have a feeling I'll get this little deal here, you know. So that's okay. But I'm looking forward to seeing my mother again. I'm looking forward to seeing my brother. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of people, aren't you? Because it's going to be a great, glorious, hallelujah day that we'll get to see them again. So, death is like that. And, and Crockett, Kent Crockett said, death's pattern is much like a one-way airline ticket. Well, they're gone. Ah, they're just out of sight. Out of sight. So, we have an appointment. We have a transition. And then thirdly, the third fundamental fact about death is that we have a transformation in death. Look at verse 51. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. Jump down to verse 53. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Go back up to verse 42. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Go up a little further to verse 22. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Amen. Paul writes, we shall all be changed. That indicates four things about that change. Number one, our corruption will be changed to incorruption. My arthritic knee will suddenly work well. My diabetes will be no more. Butter brickle will be my food of choice. <laughs> Number two, our dishonor will be changed to glory. We were sinners, are sinners, but hallelujah, we'll be glorified. We will have the shining Shekinah glory of God blowing on us, shining out of us, and flowing through us. Number three, our weakness will be changed to power. I can't wait. I'm going to knock somebody down. I just want to do it. Number four, our natural body will be changed to a spiritual body. I'm not going to worry about knocking somebody down. <laughs> I want to outrun Brother Brian Caleb. That's, that's my goal. I'm going to leave him in the dust. He's going to be back there going, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's good to see the brothers coaching together on the sideline. Bryant being the older brother and loving his younger brother. He's 15 minutes older than Brad. 
but he calls himself the older brother. He, he gave up his headphones that he liked back to his brother. I said, well, Brian, something wrong with that picture. He said, I know it, I know it. But that's because he loves his brother. And Braden is a starting cornerback on the strong side. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, he hasn't made any competition yet. We'll see what he's made up here pretty soon. I can't let his head get swelled up. We'd have to it'd be a bruise on his shoulder carrying around. <laughs> but our sinful nature takes its toll on us physically and spiritually. And according to 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53, we will be changed either by the rapture or the resurrection. I'm all for the rapture. Suck me on out of here. But I'm also going to be ready to stick it out to the very end. So get ready. Because if you go to the very end and then you get a bonus, hallelujah. Now some people sit here and argue with me whether we get the bonus or not. I don't really care. I just want to go. <laughs> Amen. I don't care if I've got to wait till the end or get sucked out early. Hey, let's go. God's vacuum cleaner can just lift me right on up off the ground. Here we go. But if you travel to Scottsdale, Arizona, you will find Alcor Life Extension Institute, home of 27 dead people. Actually, patients, they call them. Ten patients paid $120,000 each to have their entire bodies, and, and 17 uh, paid $50,000 each to have just their heads frozen in liquid nitrogen at minus 320 degrees Fahrenheit. They believed that science will one day be able to thaw them out and grow them new bodies so that they can live forever. Amen? So if I hear you making a trip to Scottsdale, I may know. But I would encourage you to save your money because there's really a better option, and that option is God. <laughs> better leave from here and be with the Lord. So we've learned three fundamental facts about our appointment, our transition, our transformation, and then fourthly, our destination after death. Pick it up in verse 48. Earthly people are like the earthly man. And heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. Amen? We're going to be like the Lord. So where does somebody go when they die? There's only two options. One, you're lost in eternal judgment in hell. Number two, you're redeemed to go to heaven to be with the Lord. I believe once you die, your ticket is punched. You are going one way or the other. Now, some don't believe that. <clears throat> That's okay. God bless you. But the Bible is pretty clear. You're going to go one or the other. When, you're, when your life stops here, you've already got your ticket punched. So wouldn't it behoove you to be on the side of the cross? Wouldn't it behoove you to have that taken care of so you don't have to worry about what happens when you die? You can just smile. In the face of death, you can smile. And that was Alice Lewis. I'll tell you one of the most inspiring stories. She was talking and singing when her last breath came. The nurse's aide was in the room with her, and she looked up. They had been singing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. And she looked up, and she looked at the aide, and she said, my husband is waiting right there, and he's ready for me to come home. Gone. That's awesome, isn't it? Now, boy, that is the way to go. She said, my husband. And I wonder about that husband. Did she see the husband on this side? Or did she see him plus the spiritual husband in Jesus 
with his arm around the earthly husband that she had here, and they're both saying, come on, we're ready to see you. That is awesome story. Awesome story. But she knew where her destination was. Many cultures deny. They either deny or ignore the reality of hell. It's a terrible place that no one needs to experience. Jesus taught in the Gospels more about hell than He did about heaven because He wanted to warn you not to go there. Don't go. It's a terrible place. Don't go. Faith in the saving work of Jesus changes the destination of the lost to heaven. Whew, that's awesome. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. That's how we'll do it. Eh? When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing there will be. Oh, no. <laughs> no, there'll be some smiles. There'll be some excitement. Some of you that have never danced in your life because you don't believe the Bible lets you dance, you're going to dance. Somebody asked me this morning where Geneva was. She's on a two-week vacation also. I left. She came. And, uh, she, she probably dancing where she is this morning. She just dances all the time. And people say, and I heard somebody say to her one time, next time you break out and dance, come get me. I want to join you. <laughs> hey, won't you just respond to God when he's prompting you? Go ahead and dance. It's all right. Well, I can't dance very good. Well, that's all right. It, it, it's a joyful noise of the Lord. It could be joyful feet to the Lord. Amen. Just go on. But see, it's not about the appearance. It's not what's going on on the outside. It's what's going on on the inside. You want to throw your hands up and praise the Lord? Go ahead and do it. If you want to shout hallelujah, it won't hurt you. If you want to raise your head up and, and then go back to sleep, that'll be all right because there'll be a nice break for you in there. <laughs> Are you with me yet? Praise the Lord. A young woman lay dying, being consoled by her dad, who was overcome with grief. Dad, she said, don't be so broken up. If I had received an offer of marriage from someone who was all you could desire for me, whose station in life was far superior to mine, but who wanted to take me to live in a remote part of the world... Don't you think you could have borne the separation? Knowing all the advantages it would bring to me. But I'm now being promoted to a situation incomparably beyond anything that could have happened to me in this world. Then why your reluctance to let me go? Our next meeting will be in a far more wonderful circumstance full of joy and everlasting. Fundamental facts. We all have an appointment. We go through a transition. We go through a transformation. And then we have our destiny. And then lastly, we receive our victory over death. Verse 57 of chapter 15. But thank God he gives us, what's your Bible say? Victory. Victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorite commercials is the Geico guy says, you know, you think having Geico insurance will save 
save you 15% laser. And he says, uh, does the uh, announcer uh, bring excitement to any game he's announcing? And that, that uh, uh, Spanish guy, he's, they're playing chess, right? And he's going, and the guy makes a move, he goes, oh! and you kind of get excited because he's excited because the guy, and the chess guy, he looks over and he goes, whoa, what's up? Maybe some of you haven't seen that one. If you haven't, that's all right. You'll, when you do see it, you'll say, wow, that's what I think about victory. We win. Jinx won 31 to nothing the other night. Whoops, Edmund Santa Fe. They need to stay on the west side of the state. Don't even come over here and play. What's wrong with these people? Union lost, 21-20. <laughs> you know you're feeling the same thing now. Don't you be saying, around my freaking... Brad saw the light. He come back. Victory. It's something about victory, isn't there? And death says, I'm going to sting you. And you say, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? My victory is in Jesus. My victory is at the cross. Woo, I win, brother. Take me out. Here we go. People leave you alone because they think you're nuts. Think you're nuts. Verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Whoa, we're going to get harvested. Amen. We get to be with him. Amen. We get to live forever with Jesus. Amen. Wow. Two important facts from this passage in 1 Corinthians 15. Number one, death is our enemy. Number two, <laughs> Jesus is our victor. We win. He's done whooped him. He's done beat him. He's done stomped his head. Oh, we can sit back and relax. Take a deep breath. The doctor says, you're going to die tomorrow. Start jumping up now. <laughs> that doctor said, are you sick? Uh, not now. Well, shouldn't we fight disease, pastor? Absolutely. Fight it. Absolutely. I want to see Kelsey grow up. I want to see... My children grow up. I want to be an old person and watch them. I do. I want to watch that. I want to go watch Kelsey play soccer for the first time. I want to watch her walk down the aisle, get her diploma. I want to watch her get married and watch Jeff. He can't handle it. Because <laughs> she'll want him to do the service, and then I can laugh at him like he laughed at me when I couldn't do his, so. I hope I get to see all that. But by His resurrection, by Jesus' resurrection, you and I win. We have the victory. It is ours. Nobody can take it away. It can't be gone. It's yours. Grasp it. Hang on to it. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not saved. Don't let anybody tell you that you're a loser. You and Jesus, you're a winner. You're a winner, a winner, a winner. John Wimber wrote a book called In Living with Uncertainty. Worship team's going to come back to come to help me close. Let me, let me share some of this from this book. This is awesome. Margie Morton was a woman of wonderful faith. She and her husband were committed members of the church from the first day. Margie suffered from brain tumors for a number of years. She had surgery that was somewhat successful but continued on the long journey of that condition. 
I was praying for her one day when I sensed the Lord speaking to me. The Lord said, you taught Margie how to live. Now you need to teach her how to die. I was not happy to hear those words, for I love Margie dearly. And at the time, her doctors wanted to send her to a hospital in Los Angeles with no real prospect of being healed. They recommended a treatment that might prolong Margie's life, but without much quality. She would suffer tremendously, even with the treatment. And I shared with her that I thought her remaining weeks could be better spent at home with her children, husband, and and her loved ones. And I told her to share her heart and life with them and that I thought she would know when it was time to be with the Lord. I didn't think that Margie would agree. But John Wimber goes on to say, However, the next eight weeks she chose to stay home, share her life with her family and friends, while conscious of her impending death. She did not spend her energy simply fighting cancer. And when it was time, she told her husband that she needed to go to the hospital. And when she was in the hospital, her children and husband gathered around the bed and they prayed for her. And as they left, she said, well, or they said, we'll see you tomorrow. And she said, well, you won't find much. And as soon as they left, she took a shower, put on her brand new nightgown, and the nurse happened to come in. And as she was getting back into bed, she said, oh my, how pretty you look. You're all dressed up to go someplace. Where are you going? Margie said, I'm going to meet my king. Then she died. And she met her king. That's victory. That's hope. That's death. You have no sting. Oh, Lord, today, there are people in this room that need to be reassured of your presence, need to be reassured of your love, need to be touched with forgiveness. God, I'm praying this morning that you will move in them today. That, God, there will be an outpouring in their life in such a way that they can't contain it anymore. Father, Satan has lied to us. He has deceived us for the last time. We are the winner. We are the winners. Because in Jesus, because of His resurrection, we have hope, we have promise, and there will be a day Appointed to every man that we're going to die. And we'll be with you. Oh Lord, would you have that reassurance in each heart? Would they sense your presence today? And God, would they respond? There may be somebody here that needs to know you for the very first time. Boy, what a great day for that to happen in their life. There may be somebody here ready to say, I want this church to be my church home. And I want to come and be a member here. I want all my energies and all my all my life to be focused right here in this fellowship. God, there may be a greater group of people that just needs to call to you in prayer. They don't really even have to come forward to do that. They can sit down in their chair and they can get on their knees. They can go up to our cross. They can get on their knees and they can call out to you. Whatever it takes, God, would you respond to them in whatever way they need. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Would all of you stand? Let's sing a great song. If God's tugging at your heart, respond this morning. Suddenly I feel you holding me.
Suddenly I feel your heart in mine. 